Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Youth Room. I'm your host, Dan, along with... Jordan! (laughs) Nailed it! (laughs) Uh, That's what you're in for. No, just kidding. It it gets better from here. But we just wrapped up an incredible conversation about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. What a, a fun topic to discuss. It's one that comes up a lot. It's the one that your friends are probably asking you about when they say, you know, when you say you go to church and they're like, what kind of church? And then you say a Pentecostal church and they're like, oh... Is that the one where people speak in tongues and you have to say yes? Uh, and then you get into that whole conversation. And so uh, we want to talk about that, how it impacts our lives, what the Bible says about it. And uh, Jordan, tell us more about this episode. Yeah, we talk about the Holy Spirit, what it is, why we need it, why we should not only feel like we need it, but really, truly want it and desire it. And, you know, before it's all said and done, we explore what the Bible has to say about what it looks like when you experience the Holy Spirit or receive the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And we talk about how you can know for sure that you have the Holy Spirit, that you have God living inside of you. You're listening to The Youth Room, a podcast from UPCI Youth Ministries for students and young adults. Every month, Daniel and Jordan hang out and talk about things relevant to you as an apostolic young person. If you like what you hear, please consider following and subscribing to the show. P.S. We want your feedback. Visit anchor.fm slash theyouthroomym to connect with us on social media and send us a voice message if you have a question or topic that we should address in the future. So last year we wrapped up season two with a series on the fruit of the spirit. And we went one by one through a number of fruit that are the results of or benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, we might have done a little bit of a disservice to you, our listeners. And so in this service, we want to back up and we want to talk about what the Holy Spirit is. We talked about the fruit, the results, the outcomes of having the Holy Spirit in your life. But what is the Holy Spirit and what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I think as we work through this episode, it will be a huge benefit to those of you who are maybe you're newer to the church, or maybe you've never really studied this out yourself. You've been around church for a long time. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you have the Holy Spirit, but you never took the time to really study out what the Bible has to say about and what it means uh, for you in your everyday life. So let this be a resource for you. Let it be something you can share with your friends as you're trying to, you know, open up the word of God with them and show them what the Holy Spirit is and what God has in store for them. Yeah, it's a really important topic, especially in an apostolic Pentecostal church where we're trying to be like the the church of the book of Acts. And, you know, the spirit is something that we talk about in our services. And so if you're witnessing to friends or you're introducing to friends uh, your church and what makes it different, this is definitely one of those things that might stand out or might become a topic of conversation. And so we really want to talk about what the spirit is, what that what it's like to be filled with the spirit, why it's important and just give you a good, solid foundation for your own beliefs, but also if you're witnessing and reaching out to your friends. And so why don't we start right at the beginning, Jordan, definitions, you know, what is the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not necessarily a what, but a who. The Holy Spirit is God. And this title, using that phrase or that title, the Holy Spirit, is usually how we refer to God when we're talking about him acting or moving in a specific environment or maybe in a person's life. And sometimes we use phrases like the Holy Spirit is here tonight. You know, you might hear that at church or the spirit is moving right now. Or can you feel the spirit in this place? And 
what we're saying with all of these phrases is God is here. We're recognizing that when we say things like this, God is here and we can feel it in a, in a very real way, a spiritual way, uh, a, an emotional way almost. We can feel it in a tangible way. And so we use that title, the Holy Spirit, to refer to God when we feel him present in our lives or in an environment. Yeah, God is a spirit, right? God is the Holy Spirit, the the spirit that is holier than thou, right? That is is set apart. That is God. And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about, like you said, God's presence and the fact that God is with us. And so when we talk about being filled with the Spirit of God, we're talking about being filled with God's Spirit, being filled, you know, with God, God coming and living inside of you. And so we want to break down that a little bit more. Um, you know, what do we mean by being filled with the spirit. We're referring to the spirit of God taking up residence inside of a person. Um, now it's not, you know, possession, right? It is God infilling you. It's a, a supernatural experience where his divine power and his presence, it flows into you. And the Bible talks about us becoming a new creation or that, you know, through the spirit of God, we now have the power to live this different life, this overcoming life. And so within us now, we can, you know, submit our flesh to the spirit, right? Because we are now filled with the spirit. And so we have something inside of us or someone, right? God living inside of us that allows us to now live the life that he has called us to live that we, you know, quite frankly, couldn't really do without him right? as, as hard as we tried, sure. we just couldn't, couldn't do it. And so he gives us a way uh, and there's more to it than that. And we're going to continue on with that. But I guess the real question is like, this is a great experience. It's a powerful experience. It's a life-changing experience. It's an emotional experience, but really Jordan, the question sometimes we get asked is, you know, do we need it? Do I have to have this experience? And it's a really weird question because, you know, when we talk about the spirit, we get excited about it and we get animated about it. And we're like, this is for you. The promise is for you. Um, and so we're kind of taking it back sometimes when people are like, yeah, but, but do I really need it? Or, you know, or can I just come to Absolutely. church? Can I just, you know, come be a good person? And so why don't you tell us, you know, once and for all, do we need the spirit? What does the Bible say? The short answer is yes. Yes, you absolutely need it. And the Bible does have a lot to say about it. And you're right. Sometimes as a minister, as a youth pastor, you hear that question or maybe, you know, a young person says, well, my friend asked me if I really, if they really need it. And I didn't know what to say to them. And it's like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I think you're going to see as we get into the scripture here, not only do you need it, but you should want it. It should right. be something that's desirable, something that you get excited about, something that, you know, you don't just need, but you truly want. Um, and before we go too far, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is something that was promised to God's people a long time ago. Way back in the Old Testament, in the prophets, we've got guys like Ezekiel and Joel and Isaiah, and they were writing the words of God to the people of God, the children of Israel. And they were saying, you know, things like God says to his people, I will take away their heart of stone or, or this hard heart, this cold heart that the people of Israel had. And he said, I'll give them a heart of flesh. And it was this soft and tender heart that would mm -hmm. allow them to be more close with God and more in tune with his desires and his will. And then Joel, he said, in the last days, 
saith uh, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And all of these things would happen. And he finished off, Joel did that prophecy by saying, those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This message of the spirit being poured out was a prophecy of salvation. It was a message of salvation. And the same was with the, the words of Ezekiel. It was always to do with bringing God's people back into a very close and personal relationship with him. Not something cold, not something um, distant, but a, a togetherness, a connectedness that couldn't come any other way than by God's spirit being within his people. So this was a promise way back in the Old Testament. And it's something that the people of God were looking forward to. Um, but, you know, to really fast forward into the New Testament, uh, to the early church and to answer the question of why we need it today, Jesus, mm -hmm. he had this uh, interaction with a Jewish scholar, Nicodemus, and he told Nicodemus in John 3 that if he wanted to see heaven, he would need to be born of the spirit. Why? Because our human nature, Jesus told Nicodemus, can't lead us into a spiritual life. Uh, John 3 verses 5 and 6. Do you want to read that one, Dan, and then maybe pick up from there? Yeah, sure. It says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water in the spirit. And that's pretty cut and dry, right? When he says no one, um, he means no one, <laughs> you know, as much as the world tells you you're special and your mom tells you you're special and all this kind of stuff. When Jesus says no one, he really does mean no one, not even you, right? No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. And so those are two essential components, two essential things. We, we don't get into the kingdom of God without those things. Um, and he goes on to say in verse six, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So if we are to be born of the spirit, a spirit is involved, a, a spirit is required. And what brings about this birth in us, this new birth in us is the Holy uh, Spirit. And this is something that Jesus kind of talked about all throughout his earthly ministry. When he uh, would prophesy about what was to come, he would tell people, you know, if you're thirsty, let them come to me and out of your rivers, uh, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And he's, he's talking about the spirit. And, and John actually says in, in those verses that Jesus is referring to the scripture, that it, uh, to the spirit, excuse me, that, you know, it hadn't been given, but it would be given. And so Jesus yep. is kind of in that, that mode right before the spirit is poured out because it's, it's him, right? He says uh, to his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, right? It, it's him. It's his spirit. And he's saying, I'm here with you bodily, but something else is coming uh, later. And that is now what we're talking about is receiving the spirit yeah. that Jesus promised that he said was essential for us to become an, uh, a part of the kingdom of God. And so it, it's something that the early church continued to live by. And so we want to talk about that a little bit more. And maybe uh, Jordan, you can tell us kind of what Paul says about this. Yeah, if you go beyond Jesus' ministry and you start to look at what the disciples taught and what they said to the followers of, of Jesus, 
once he was ascended. In Romans 8, Paul's teaching about the contrast between our sinful human nature and the Spirit of God, which, you know, Jesus said humans can only reproduce human life and the Holy Spirit gives mm -hmm. birth to spiritual life. Well, here Paul's making a very similar compare and contrast with the human nature and the Spirit of God. And he says in Romans 8, 9, you, speaking to Christians, to believers, are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If, he says, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So not just because you believe in Jesus, not just because you go to church, but you're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he adds, he says, and remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So not only you know, does the spirit give you the ability to rise above the law of sin, to rise above the human nature, to live life differently than those who are controlled by their own human or sinful nature? Not only does it do that, but it means when you're filled with the spirit that you belong to Christ, that you're part of him and he's part of you. And these are just a couple of verses that show us how crucial it is that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to, you know, answer that question, do you need it? Yes. <laughs> but we don't <laughs> want to stop there. We 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 said a few minutes ago that we want you to get to a point where not only do you realize that you need it, but right. you actually desire it. You want it. You see that there's more to this than just, you know, meeting the bare minimum or the threshold to enter into heaven. So the Holy Spirit is not just a ticket to heaven or the stamp on an envelope that says that you belong to Jesus. If you learned anything from our series at the end of season two, uh, hopefully you realize that God has so much in store for those who follow him, for those who are filled with his spirit. He wants to transform our lives, not only in eternity, but here and now as well. Yeah, that's kind of that, you know, but wait, there's more <laughs> moment, right? Where <laughs> We, we talk so much about, you know, eternity and Jesus talks about eternal life. But I always love that phrase where he says, he's talking about the thief came to steal and destroy, but he came that they may have life. Uh, and then he follows that up with abundant life, right? And the idea is that Jesus really, you know, God, he wants us to have the best life now, right? It's not just about going through pain and suffering and like and getting through this place so that we can go to heaven. Like, yes, heaven is better. And yes, heaven is ultimately like where we're going to, to be fully in the presence of God. But at the same time, you know, Jesus through his spirit and his ever abiding presence and power with us, he wants our lives to be better. He wants them to be, uh, you know, live to the full, all of the good things that we know in this life, right? Love and joy and peace and hope. We get those in so much more abundance by having a close relationship with God. And there's nothing that builds a relationship more or strengthens your relationship uh, with God more than knowing that his presence is live is literally living uh, inside of you, that wherever you go, not just like as a spirit out there, but living inside of you, he uh, is with you. And so he wants to transform our lives, not just later, but now. And the Bible kind of talks about this a little bit, um, just the idea that the spirit is a, a taste of things to come, right? It talks about it being a, a down payment on our inheritance. Uh, and the Bible talks about, you know, the same spirit that raise Jesus, if it lives in us, right, then we have the promise of the resurrection. Like there's a connection between what Jesus was able to do in conquering death and hell and the grave and the spirit, right? Like 
just normal people don't have that power. They don't have that ability, but God is, is over everything. Um, and what we see in Jesus, right, being raised to life again, um, that same thing, that same power lives inside of us. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit and we're baptized in Jesus' name, we know that we're going to heaven. Right. We know that we're, we don't have to earn it anymore. Right. We're not under the law, but heaven is now our inheritance. Right. And we've been given the down payment or the the key for that um, through the, the spirit. And so it gives us something to look forward to every single day. Right. This place of no more pain, no more sorrow and you know, joy and peace uh, forever. And that's something that can help us now. Right. Knowing that we have that promise of good things and, and joyful things to come. Yeah, it's so different from the world and culture that's around us right now, where there's war, there's sickness, disaster, mental health crisis. But in contrast to that, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we get a taste of what heaven will be like right here and right now in the midst of all of those things. In the midst of that darkness, we're filled with the power of God and his light. It, it shines through us from the inside out. Like Jesus said, it's a well of water springing up or running over into everlasting life. And it starts here and now. And that's that glimpse of heaven. It's what we're um, experiencing through the fruit of the spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, having God's power in you. It doesn't just change your future, but it changes your present. And, you know, that's why for me, I don't, just need it. I want it. And, and I'm glad <laughs> to say that I have it, that God is alive in me and that his power is changing my life here and now. So if you're thinking, you know, Dan, Jordan, that sounds great. Um, how do I get filled or receive the spirit or, you know, how am I quote unquote baptized with the Holy spirit? Um, well, Jesus talked a lot about this with his disciples he actually, after his conversation with Nicodemus and after his entire earthly ministry, when Jesus was crucified, resurrected, he actually spent a period of about 40 days where he appeared in bodily form to his disciples, to believers. They could touch the scars in his hands and in his side and see that this was the same Jesus that hung on the cross for them. And he's reminding them of this in Luke 24, verses 46 through 49, when he says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So he's saying, you know, this is it. This is what you're experiencing. <laughs> that prophecy, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And he continues in verse 47, he says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You, he says to his disciples, are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus makes a few references in this passage to some things um, that the disciples have experienced, right? That he would die, that he'd be raised from the dead on the third day. And he tells them it's not over yet, right? He says repentance and forgiveness of sins is going to be preached in his name beginning at Jerusalem. And he says to them that they're witnesses of these things, that they're playing a part in these events. And he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. He's speaking of that that promise that started way back in the Old Testament. And he's saying, the time is coming. It's coming soon. So stay in the city. Stay in Jerusalem, he tells them, until you've been clothed with power from on high. Another phrase here for you know being filled with the Spirit. And we actually see this take place in the Bible, in the book of Acts. 
And if you're wondering, you know, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I experience that? The short answer is follow the same pattern as the disciples. Just do what they did after Jesus gave them that promise. Jesus said, you know, you're going to play part in these events. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive this promise that was given so many years ago. And what did they do? They waited in Jerusalem. They prayed. They sought God with diligence, with expectation, with patient trust. The The Bible talks in the book of Acts chapter one about this upper room experience that they were waiting mm -hmm. and they gathered in the upper room and it gets into Acts chapter two, verses one to four. And it says on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is crazy, but what we just read is the fulfillment of prophecy from you know way before Peter's day, way before Jesus' day. And it's all coming to a head in this story in the book of Acts chapter 2. Yeah, and one of the things that just kind of jumped out at me, and we didn't have it here in these notes, but um, you were talking about the promise and the connection between Luke and Acts, and really the very beginning of uh, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, there's kind of like this link that helps us pull together Acts chapter 2 uh, and the end of Luke, where um, Jesus is talking, and he, he basically tells his disciples, right, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Uh, and then it goes on to say, you know, he says in a few days, right, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he differentiates it from John who baptized with water, right? Remember, we should be baptized or we need to be baptized, I should say, with the water and the spirit. We need to be born of the water and of the spirit. And maybe another uh, podcast will talk about, you know, baptism in Jesus name. But really right now we're focused on the spirit. And so Jesus was talking about, yes, you've been baptized with, you know, water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage someone, um, if you've been seeking for the Holy Spirit and you have yet to receive it, continue to wait for it, continue to believe for it, continue to diligently seek God. It's different for everybody. And I would just say, it is a gift, right? God wants to give it to you. And so you don't earn it by how much you pray. Uh, it's not even necessarily like how earnestly, like it's not put in the time and then get the reward. It doesn't work that way. Um, but it's where your heart is and, and maybe there's walls and maybe there's just a, a barrier in your mind and you're just not fully released to God. Or you're not letting it go, that whatever it is, right? Just continue to pray and seek God and don't get discouraged. Know that you need it that God wants to give it to you. And the more that you are seeking him and building your relationship with him and, you know, talking to your pastors and different people in your life, like eventually it's going to happen, right? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Like he wants everyone to be saved. And, and so it, it can be, you know, just seem more difficult for some people. And so I just want to encourage you that if you're waiting, right, the disciples had to wait too. They, they, they didn't exactly know what that experience was going to be. They knew the provinces, the promises. They knew what Jesus had said, and yet they still had to wait, and they still had to seek God, uh, and then it happened. And so I'm just, you know, praying for you and believing for you that you'll have that experience, and God will fill you with his spirit. Absolutely. It's a gift. It's, you know, not something you have to earn, but sometimes it does take time. Um, and I don't want to gloss over this because we read it, the very last verse, Acts chapter two, verse one to four, verse four, it said that they were speaking in other languages. 
speaking in other tongues, some translations say. And this is crazy. This has never happened before. And it, it was actually, there were 120 of them gathered in this room during this festival in the city of Jerusalem. And so as God began to move and as his spirit was poured out for the very first time, and this is taking place, the crowd around began to realize what was going on. And they, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what does this mean? What is going on? What does this mean? What does all these people speaking in other tongues mean? And Peter said that it was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He actually quoted Joel, the passage that I was referring to earlier, that that prophecy of salvation, of the last days of God pouring out his spirit, and those that would call on the name of the Lord would be saved. He quotes that message of salvation from Joel and says, this is God pouring out his spirit. Us speaking these weird languages is the fulfillment <laughs> of that prophecy. And, and he makes it clear that they are not drunk <laughs> because yeah. that was the, the impression at the time, right? Are, are the, he says they're not drunk as you suppose. Uh, and so yeah. just to put it out there, right? It's, it's only 9 a.m., guys. <laughs> <laughs> they are not drunk as you suppose. And then he, he goes on to explain the promise and, and what's happening uh, for them, which they would have understood kind of so much more than we would removed from that context and, and the, you know, the, the teaching of the law and things like that, it was very ingrained in their culture. Many of them knew, you know, kind of what to the, the scriptures he was referring to when he was explaining that for us, we kind of have to, um, you know, start with the Bible being important and it, it just, we have a different starting point, but, uh, it is really important to know that the spirit, uh, the initial sign of it is that we speak in this, this heavenly language or earthly language or other language, right? That's what it means. Tongues is a language. And, you know, there's different cases of that where people hear an earthly language and they know exactly what's being said. There's lots of times when it isn't that way. And, um, and so we're not going to get into all of that, but I think it is important to establish that tongues is a part of being filled with the spirit. And we see this very clearly kind of throughout the book of Acts. If you continue to read through the book of Acts, and uh, I would encourage some young person out there, you know, send this podcast specifically to a friend. If you've been having a conversation with this about a friend, say, hey, I know you don't normally listen to stuff like this, but we were just talking about the Holy Spirit. These two guys are talking about it. Uh, I want you to listen to it. And if you have questions, you know, talk to me and build that relationship with someone that you're witnessing to. And if you're here now because because of this and, and you're like, hey, that's why you sent me this podcast. We're just so glad that you're here. And if you have questions, you can reach out to us um, too. But just know that this is not just an Acts 2, even though we we often start there and, and we, we go there because Peter lays it out so clearly. But we see this throughout the book of Acts. In fact, there's two other uh, instances. I don't know. I don't know, Jordan, if you want to go into both of these or yeah, not, for but sure. um, I'll do the first one and you can hit the second one. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46, Peter's preaching and it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Okay, very important. The Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. Uh, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured poured out even on Gentiles. So very, you know, they're astonished that the gift, and the question is like, how did they know that they, the Gentiles were, you know, receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit? Were they, were they starting to cry? Uh, You know, were they like running the aisles? Uh, You know, what, what were they doing? And it says in verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. For they heard them speaking in tongues 
and praising God. That's how they knew that they had received the Holy Spirit because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That was the evidence to those who, who, uh, you know, were in the room with them that they had received the spirit, that they were speaking in tongues. Yeah. I think that's so neat that it literally, you know, from one verse to the next, it explains how they knew. And sometimes we think, um, in, in broader Christianity, sometimes you'll hear the idea that, you know, all you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's this idea that when that happens, God is alive inside of you, that you're alive to God and he's alive in you. And there's songs in, in uh, you know, popular Christian worship that would say alive in me, alive in you, that, that sort of um, thinking is expressed. But there's a, another passage in the book of Acts that really speaks sharply against that. And it's Acts chapter 19, verses one through six. It's speaking, uh, and it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, where he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, before I go any further, why would Paul ask that? If, if, all you have to do to be saved, if all you have to do to have God alive inside of you, to receive his spirit is believe, why would Paul even ask this? But then it goes even further and it says that they answered him and said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Verse three, so Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they, the people that Paul ran into in the street, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, so not when they were baptized, not when they believed, not after this conversation happened, but when they began to pray afterwards, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, And then just like we saw in Acts 2, just like we read in Acts 10, it says, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So these are just two more examples from the book of Acts, along with the one that we read from Acts chapter 2, where people experience the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever phrase you want to use for it. They have that (laughs) spiritual experience for the first time and the evidence of it or the sign that it happened, the way they know that it happened beyond the shadow of a doubt is that they speak in a language that they didn't know. They speak in other tongues. And yeah, and just to jump in there, um, you know, Paul placed his hands on them. We see this another time where, uh, you know, Philip is watching. I don't know if it was all the disciples or someone and, and they were, basically like a part of people receiving the spirit and Philip wanted that power. And he's like offering to buy, you know, the ability to do it. And and they're basically correcting him and telling, telling uh, Philip that it's not of them, right. It's of God. Um, But in that passage, it, it talks about like this placing on of hands. And so I would encourage you if you're seeking the spirit, um, to be in a place where people of faith can, can lay hands on you and be open to that. It is, you know, really it's a biblical thing. We see it, it talked about uh, with healings and, and different aspects of our faith. But what it is, is a focusing of faith, right? It's bringing our focus to bear on a particular need, right? When someone says, we're going to pray for this, and we're going to believe in, in Jesus name, that'll 
that this will happen and they place their hands on you. It is their faith and your faith being connected over a need. It's a, a symbol of um, even, you know, submission to to uh, spiritual leadership and spiritual authority where someone is speaking faith over you, speaking faith into you, and, and you're responding with your own faith. And and something, you know, really profound happens in that. We see people healed. We see people filled with the Spirit. And so don't shy away from that um, and, you know, be open to that because we also see that here in this instance and in other places in Scripture where yeah. the laying on of hands really uh, is an important aspect of us building up our faith, of us experiencing the things of God. And so it's not just something that, you know, kind of came about randomly where someone was like, let's try this. Uh, there is a biblical precedent for it. And so we continue to practice it, uh, you know, in our churches today. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I think, you know, just the the idea that this isn't something we just invented, that <laughs> you see it so often in our churches, people laying hands on one another, but it, it's a biblical thing. And Right. I'm glad that you mentioned that that uh, specific example because I wanted to say that there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing like there's no special formula. That it's not something that um, you know the the person who's putting their hands on you is giving you the Holy Spirit, but they're just joining with you in faith and they're they're praying for you, praying with you and the same could be said of baptism. You know, there's nothing special about the water. There's not like a magic formula that saves you. And we've called this a gift uh, and we've called it a promise. And I think at the very end, as we start to kind of close out here, I want to just say again, salvation is not something that you can earn. The Holy spirit is not something that you can earn. And we're not saying that you've got to earn it, right? This, at the end of the day, this is an act of faith. It's a, an experience that you have by faith and it's God's power being birthed inside of you. It's you becoming new by the power of God and by his transformation. Um, just a quick re recap of some key points. Jesus, he said that being born of the spirit is necessary to enter the kingdom of God. We said that old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, they promised um, the people of God, that God was going to pour out his spirit and that the apostle Peter said the events on the day of Pentecost were the fulfillment of that promise. He told the crowd before him that what they saw and heard was the promise and that it was for everyone, that it was for all generations. And the events in the book of Acts, they continue to give us insight into how the first church understood the experience of receiving the Holy Spirit. We read a few examples. We talked briefly about a couple others, but it, take this away. Three out of five of the historical narrative accounts of believers receiving the Holy Spirit explicitly mentioned speaking in tongues. And two more of them, Dan mentioned one with uh, the, the sorcerer or the magician. Um, these two other um, passages, they imply that something visible took place, that there was something extraordinary that took place at the moment that people received the Holy Spirit. And neither of those two that don't mention tongues neither of them deny that it could have been tongues. Neither of them give any hints that, that tongues wouldn't have made sense for that circumstance. Just in closing, thank you so much for listening to this. Just remember, this is a promise from God. It is a gift from God and it's for everyone. And so when you're not, when you're bringing your friends to church or you're inviting them to your youth group, just know that you're inviting them into this promise. You're inviting them to this experience where they can be born 
again, where they can be born of the water and of the Spirit. And we know that we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we have that evidence, that initial sign uh, of speaking in tongues. And so don't shy away from that. Know that it's in the Bible. Know that there's a reason we believe it. And we see it happening in our churches all the time. And we see the impact that the Spirit has in people's lives. And so we want to encourage you to continue holding on to that faith, continue believing for that, continue to pray for those around you that they would come to be filled with the Spirit of God and that they, through His Spirit, would begin to have a changed life and a changed experience and that you would be a part of bringing them to that great promise. We hope that this episode has blessed you. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week as we tackle another important topic and look at how it applies to our lives as students and young adults. God bless you. Thank you so much. This is Future Dan here, and just for the record, I want to make it clear that I know that Philip is a preacher and that Simon is a sorcerer, and that Philip is in no way a sorcerer, but again, Philip is a preacher, Simon is a sorcerer, and I know that, and I hope you understand after listening to this episode that I know that. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dan.